if you're new here, my name's Doug, or if you're old here and can't remember, my name is Doug. And uh, it's my privilege uh, to get to share with you this morning uh, the second in our new series, When I Need a Miracle. Uh, last week, we heard a, a, just a really uh, enlightening message from Jim on uh, When I Need a Miracle of Deliverance. Uh, today's title is When I Need a Miracle of Healing. When I Need a Miracle of healing. So I want to start with a couple questions, and feel free to respond. You can either speak out or just raise your hand. How many of you believe that God has the ability to heal? How many of you have prayed in faith, believing God has the ability to heal someone, and yet that healing didn't happen? Well, I think you would have to admit that this creates a tension. Somewhat, I think that that uh, in many people, this is a, a, a testing of their faith. When we know he can, but yet he doesn't. Confusions, questions, doubts can come from that, and sometimes it can even make us question um, if God is really who He says He is, if He really is a God of love, if He really does have our best in mind. I want to start with a personal story. In December, about December 15th, I think it was, of the year 2000, I began a season of fervent prayer for healing. My son Chris was diagnosed with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, he was a senior uh, at NAU in college and had a little lump on his collarbone and, and thought it was nothing and went in and had that uh, biopsied and it came back as... as uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. We were told by the physicians that it was a very easy to cure cancer. And yet, there's nothing quite like fervent prayer when it's your child and something like that. He was 26, or no, he was 23, but yet he was still uh, my child. So I began a, a fervent season. Many of you, even in this room, joined us in that, that season of prayer for healing. Uh, that was along about the same time that I started attending Verde Valley Christian Church, and uh, we brought Chris here, and the elders, the pastors and the elders laid hands on Chris, and we prayed for him for God's healing to take effect in his life. Um, three years later, in, on July 25th, just a couple weeks from now, 15 years ago, Chris stepped into eternity. God did not answer those prayers. God did not respond to that prayer, that fervent prayer during that season. So in that, I had a personal experience that uh, God heals, but he doesn't heal everyone every time. And that's the focus for today. God heals, but he doesn't heal everyone every time. I want to read to you, and I apologize for the, this isn't going to be real clear up on the screen, but this was, this was a, I still have this. This is 15 years old. This was a an excerpt that my daughter-in-law, Jamie, Chris got married three months before he died, and, and my daughter-in-law, Jamie, sent me this uh, right shortly after Chris passed away. And it, it, it ties in beautifully to the, what we're going to be talking about today. You can even see she made a note there on the side, love you, Jamie. It says this, we tend to think that persons with the greatest faith are the ones who get the miracles. I'm not really sure about that myself. We make so much out of miracles when they happen. We think, oh, what great faith they have. They got a miracle. But I think the ones with the greater faith are the ones who keep their peace even when they don't get the miracles they wanted. 
I think the greater faith is in those who have to walk it out and decide to love God anyway. The people who don't get everything they're asking for and who might not understand why, but yet continue to love and praise God are truly trusting God. They stay in church, they give their tithes and offerings, and they stay full of peace. That is remarkable faith, in my opinion. And so the subject today, God heals, but he doesn't heal everyone every time. Throughout the Bible, we see miracles of healing, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see, for instance, in the Old Testament, we see the story of Hannah. Hannah was a, a, a very godly woman, but she was barren. And we see God healing her infertility, and she brings forth the, the prophet Samuel. Um, we see Elijah raising a boy from the dead. We, sing, we see God um, uh, uh, curing uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's insanity. So for those of you with a crazy Uncle Bill, you can have hope that that, that can take place. And, and in, in the Gospels, the Gospels contain uh, a whole bunch of, of accounts of Jesus' miraculous healing, uh, of opening blind eyes, of restoring hearing to the deaf, of healing lepers, and of raising the dead. And perhaps, since I always put a joke in, I'll put a joke in at this point, okay? Now, don't get offended. This is a joke. I stole it from someone else, so you can blame him. So... The most controversial healing we see in the Bible was Jesus' healing of Peter's mother-in-law. In fact, most Bible scholars believe that's why Peter denied the Lord three times. <laughs> I love my mother-in-law, so don't, that's not him. So. so we see in the New Testament and we see in the book of Acts uh, also many healing miracles of the apostles. Uh, uh, that, and Jesus was even, even recorded in John 14 where he says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to my Father. So what he's saying there is that we can not only see, but we can actually be part of healing in people's lives. We can experience miraculous healing when we pray. And yet, why doesn't he always heal? Why doesn't he always respond to our prayers for healing. But here's the real, the real question, I believe, if we're all honest here today. I think we put ourselves in this situation. We say, why didn't he heal my son? Why didn't he heal my grandson? Why didn't he heal my wife? And those things causes attention in us. It causes us to question sometimes. It causes us to wonder if he really does love us. We know he's a loving God. Couldn't he do it? We know that he's all-powerful. Then why didn't he do it? So again, confusion, questions, and doubt. And to many people, I think, uh, it seems like God might not be real, or he might not be good, or he doesn't care. But perhaps I would tell you today that there's many things about God that we don't fully understand. I don't believe ever this side of heaven will be able to lay hold of God's big picture plan for us. It tells in Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Again, God heals, but he doesn't heal everyone every time. We see this illustrated and we miss this, and I, I had really missed this till I did this study, that there's, there's quite a few places in the Bible where there's not healing. 
And it, and it clearly states that, that God chose not to heal. Uh, there was a guy by the name of Trophimus that was a friend of the Apostle Paul's that accompanied him on some of his missionary journeys. And it tells us in, in the book of Acts that he was left behind because he was sick. Well, I have no doubt that Paul and many others had prayed for this guy, and yet God chose not to heal, to heal him. God had a different plan. We see uh, uh, Peter's protege, Timothy, being encouraged to take a little wine for his stomach. He had some stomach issues. Uh, and Paul encouraged him to take a little wine for that. Obviously, we can assume that Paul and many others had prayed for Timothy, and yet God chose not to heal him. Paul himself, the apostle Paul himself. I have to believe that Paul was a great man of prayer with the effective ministry that he had. I had to believe he was a great man of prayer. And yet we see Paul talking about the, the thorn in his side that he pleaded with the Lord. He fervently prayed a season, and we don't know how long, but a season of fervent prayer for God to remove that physical infirmity. And yet God did not do that. Instead, what God told Paul was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So again, God could heal, but he chose not to in these circumstances. And we know that, that uh, and believe that Paul was not discouraged from praying. He just didn't quit praying because he didn't see healings in those situations because he knew that God was able to heal. He believed that God was able, and yet he was also willing to move forward believing that God had a different plan, had a bigger picture plan to accomplish his will in those circumstances. So what I want to look at today, if you're a note taker, you can pull your outline out and get ready to fill in some blanks. I want to look at, at, at uh, three reasons why Jesus didn't heal, okay? Because I think it's important to look at, at, at that as, as, part of the, as part of the picture. Three reasons that Jesus didn't heal. The first point on your outline is Jesus didn't do miracles to prove himself. Jesus didn't do miracles to prove himself. And we have a scripture for that, Mark 8. I think we have that on the screen. Mark 8, 11, and 12. Uh, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly I tell you, no sign will be given to it. There's not a lot of times in scripture, this is interesting, there's not a lot of time in scripture where we see Jesus expressing emotion like this. I mean, he sighed deeply. I think it was a sigh of, of frustration because of the unbelieving hearts that he was dealing with. Now, if we look at the reason that Jesus did miracles, the, the main reasons that he did miracles was to authenticate his identity, to, to reveal his power as God in the flesh. Okay, that's one reason. To confirm his word as truth and to reveal his heart of compassion and empathy towards his creation. These religious leaders that it's talking about here had witnessed these miracles they had heard him speak, and they even wrongly attributed his works to Satan. They said, you do that by the power of Satan, not by the power of God. So they had rejected his claims already to be God in the flesh. They, they had hardened hearts, and they were looking only to condemn and to ridicule Jesus, not to see something from him. They were asking him to perform like a circus performer, to, to give them a sign. So a sign from heaven, a miraculous healing or a miraculous act in that, in that setting uh, would serve no purpose, okay, to, uh, to bring faith into their evil and unbelieving hearts, okay? Jesus would not perform a miracle to prove himself, especially to those who had already rejected him. So again, he wasn't going to do miracles just to prove himself. 
Point two on your outline there is Jesus did do miracles that interfered with God's bigger picture. Again, a scripture out of Matthew says this. If you'll bring that next screen up. Matthew 26, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that says it must happen in this way? This is an interesting account. This is the account of Jesus' arrest in the garden. Uh, uh, Judas had betrayed him. And we see what happens in the verses before this, that, that our friend Peter decides to take matters into his own hand when these arresters come to, to arrest Jesus. And he pulls out his sword, and he was obviously a lousy swordsman because he, I think he attempted to take this guy's head off. Uh, this guy we find out later is named Malchus. Uh, but instead of getting his head, he just gets his ear. Okay, so, um, so in Luke's account, we see that Jesus miraculously reaches down, picks up the ear, and restores Malchus's ear. So he performs a miraculous act of healing, and yet then immediately what this verse talks about is he shows restraint and does not do a miracle that he was able to do. He was able to do this. He wouldn't have said it if he wouldn't have been able to do it. He was able to do this, but we see him exercise restraint because God had a different plan for that. He had a different plan for that, and Jesus knew that. So he did not perform uh, that miracle that it talks about in this. So Jesus does not do miracles that interfere with God's bigger picture, okay? The third point on your outline there is Jesus didn't do miracles where there was no faith. He didn't do any miracles where there was no faith. And a, a scripture there is out of Matthew 13 says, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Now, this was a story that Jesus had returned to his hometown, and it tells in the text that he taught them uh, in their synagogue, and they were astonished at his wisdom, that they were, uh, and they were astonished at his mighty works. And they, they said, and I'm paraphrasing, they said, well, you know, we know his mom and dad, and we know his brothers and sisters. Where's this guy getting this stuff? Where's he coming up with this stuff? And then it says that they took offense at him. They took offense at him. And they chose to reject his claims as the Messiah. So they rejected him, even though his identity was validated and demonstrated by his words of truth and his miraculous works. That was one of the reasons that Jesus did miracles. And because of their unbelief, it tells us that he did not do very many miracles there. And this tests text suggests then that there's an obvious relationship between faith and God's willingness to work miracles or miraculous works, okay? Uh, another interesting thing to see about this verse is it doesn't say that Jesus couldn't perform miracles. It said he chose not to. And that tells me that God does not feel obligated to work where his power and his authority is doubted or rejected, okay? So those three things demonstrate when Jesus doesn't do miracles. Conversely, then, there's three verses that I want to look at real quick that demonstrate believing faith in hearing. Scriptures that talk about believing faith in healing miracles. The first one is Mark 5, 34. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is the story of the woman who'd, who'd, who'd suffered for 12 years. It says she'd suffered at the hand of physicians. And no offense, I think we can all relate to that. But... Uh, for 12 years, she had no healing, okay? And, and um, it tells us in, in, in these verses uh, that she came believing. She came believing in the God who could heal her, okay? She said, even if I touch his garments, I will be made well. 
So she was exhibiting faith in him that could heal. The next one is in Mark chapter 10. And uh, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see you. I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is uh, the blind beggar Bartimaeus demonstrating his faith. He was crying out for Jesus to have mercy on him. He was demonstrating his faith. It even says that they tried to make him be quiet, and he wouldn't be quiet. He was demonstrating his faith and believing by crying out that he wanted Jesus to, to, to touch him. And, and he believed that Jesus could heal him. He believed, more importantly, in the God who could heal him. Okay, And then the third one in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, um, and this is just a short ending to this verse. It says, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. This is the father that had a demon-possessed son who would convulse the son, and it said he'd destroy him into the fire and into the water, and, and it, was gonna, it wanted to kill his son. And interesting in, this ver in these verses in the text around it, it talks about uh, that... Uh, the, the father came just looking for a healing, and yet what Jesus tells the father is to not just believe in the power to heal, but to believe in the God that heals. Not just in the power, not just in the miracle, but believe in the God who heals. And this father in this verse confesses a really small faith, and he even acknowledges his weakness, okay? And he asks Jesus to create in him a heart of belief. And what this does, I do believe, help me to overcome my belief. What this does is this opens the door for God's healing by confessing that God can heal. So the Father opened the door for God to, by his faith, to uh, bring a healing about. So, so those, three, those three scriptural examples all have the same basis. And the basis is believing in the God who can heal, who doesn't always heal, but in the God who can heal. Um, I, would, I would really love to stand up here this morning and give you the formula for healing. Say, this is what you have to do to receive spiritual healing. Well, uh, if I could do that, I wouldn't be here. I'd have a three-piece suit and I'd be on the road if I could, if I could give you that, okay? And, and, and I can't do that. But um, the, the, the truth is that we live, in, we live in a fallen world. We live in a... And because of sin and its consequences, we deal with illness and we deal with suffering and we deal with death. Uh, Jim's, one of Jim's saying years ago that I, I love to kind of throw some slang in is this ain't heaven yet. You know, this isn't heaven yet. And, and so uh, there's things that we're going to have to deal with in this world. But here's the thing that I can give you. And this is based on God's word. It's also based on, on, on the 35 or 36 years that I've walked with the Lord and, and been involved with many of you even in praying for healing. And in, with, with many of you and me in my own life of dealing with issues in life that we need God's help with. And so, so the formula for healing is not magical, but, but I can give you a formula uh, for drawing near to the God that loves you and the God that has demonstrated that love by sending his son to die on the cross for you. It's a formula that will open the door for God's will to be done in your life, whether that's healing or not healing but it'll open the door for that. And I have six points in this, and they're not in your outline because this was stuff that I added in the last minute. So um, first, this is the formula. First, embracing his plan. If you need a miracle of healing, or if you just need any miracle, or if you just wanna, wanna be where God wants you to be, the first thing you need to do is to embrace his plan and his highest purpose for your life. 
okay? Luke 19.10 says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, okay? This next statement might sound stark, but it's the truth. Christ did not die to heal sick people. He died to give life to spiritually dead people. Christ did not die to heal sick people. He died to give life to spiritually dead people. That's God's highest purpose. Jesus' highest purpose, again, was not to heal physically, but to heal spiritually. And his greatest desire, if we say, what's God's greatest desire? His greatest desire is that we grow closer and closer in our created purpose of intimacy, of relationship with him. Okay? A favorite scripture of, of Karen and I and Chris during his whole illness was Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 that says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the, Lord's, the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Again, it was our, one of our favorite scriptures. And it wasn't until the last couple weeks before his death that, that we really came to understand that this was both a temporal and an eternal promise. It's easy to look at those and say, well, that's just, a, that's just for here and now that God wants to, wants to bless me and wants to prosper me and, and wants to give me a future and a hope. But that's a, an eternal. It's both temporal and eternal. And, so, and what the verse talks about, it speaks of God's love and highest purpose for our lives, a hope and a future. It's God's greatest purpose for our lives, to give us a hope and a future. There's an old song that, that we listened to during this same season uh, by the name of, a guy by the name of Wayne Watson that sums it up. He says, at the ultimate healing, we will be home free. At the ultimate healing, we will be home free. And our prayers were answered um, in a way that God wanted to answer our prayers when, when we saw our son step into eternity. And he did experience that ultimate healing at that time, which is life everlasting the ultimate healing. So the first thing is embracing his plan for the highest purpose for your life. The second thing is to draw near, to draw near to him. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. As we grow in faith, we do grow in faith as we, as we learn and apply his truths and promises. We grow in our trust of who he is and, his, and his, his plan and purpose for our lives as we experience his goodness and his faithfulness to carry us through all of life's situation, through all of life's situations, whether it's a situation of healing or not healing. Another scripture that we looked at and was one of our favorites at that time and is still one of my favorites is Isaiah 43. That This talks about drawing near to God and God's nearness and his faithfulness to us. Isaiah 43, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Speaking of God's nearness and drawing near to God. The third thing is we need to pray believing. We need to pray believing that God can heal, that he is the God who has the ability to heal. Uh, Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Faith and trust in the God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think opens the door for him and his sovereign will to bring whatever he desires to take place in our life for his eternal and our eternal good. His answer very well might be, my grace is sufficient for you when you pray for a healing. Or he might bring a miraculous healing 
uh, in your life in a way that, that he gets the glory. Number four, pray for more faith. Pray for more faith. God loves us, and he honors even a small faith. Faith is a mustard seed. But in times of doubt, in times of doubt, just like the hurting father in that verse that we looked at, we need to cry out, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. It's very easy in this world to push man's abilities on God and to believe that if man's not able, well, then God can't do that either. So we need to pray for more and more faith. Number five is to fight the good fight and stand strong. We talked about spiritual battles in the, in the heavenly realms last week a little bit, and, and, and Ephesians 6 talks about that. We can't allow the enemy to rob us of the already accomplished victory that we have in Christ. We've already won, okay? Christ has brought forth victory over sin and death. We already have that victory. We can't let, we can't let the enemy take that from us. And Satan's plan would be to erode your faith by convincing you that God really doesn't care, that God's going to abandon you, that he's not going to be with you, to try to convince you that you probably don't even belong to him. You're probably not even one of his children. So don't let him do that. Stand strong in the things that God has promised us. And number six, if you receive a miracle of healing, praise him and give him the, the glory. And if you don't receive a miracle of healing, praise him and give him the glory. There is a danger in presuming upon God's will and healing. We may perceive that our healing to be the greatest good, but God's wisdom surpasses even the most impressive reaches of our understanding. We cannot bend his will to resemble our own. And if our healing is not within God's will and a cure does not come, the single-minded focus on healing can shake our faith. We must focus instead on him, he who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think, and not upon our own circumstances, to remember who he is and all that he's done for us, to embrace his plan for our life with an eternal perspective. And not just to, not just to accept it, it's a different thing to just accept it. Because when we accept, accept something, it's a lot of times with resignation. Okay, I guess I just have to deal with this. Instead, we should embrace it as part of God's loving process. To wrap our arms around him, to draw near, and embrace that as part of his perfect process for our life. And the final statement that you'll see on your outline is this. Our faith in God's healing power is not based on what he does our faith is based on who he is. And I want to end with uh, a scripture of encouragement. And if you've got your Bibles today, if you don't already have this underlined, I would, I would, set, would suggest that you underline it. If you, if you don't have a Bible, you can pull that chair Bible out. I think this is on page 860. And this is out of the book of Jude. And this is just an encouragement, okay, in who God is, okay? It says this in verses 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. And Father, we thank you that you have laid out a plan for each one of our lives, that as we seek you and pursue you in relationship, as we seek you in your word and in prayer and in 
serving and in fellowship with one another that we learn more and more about who you are and how much you love us and what a perfect plan you have for our lives. Father, I pray that today you would help each one of us to be encouraged, remembering again who you are and how much you love us, that love demonstrated by Christ and him crucified. Won't you help us, Father, to have faith uh, uh, that would be ever-increasing, a faith that looks to you, that depends upon you, that realizes that it's only by your strength and your power uh, that we can live this life in a way that would be pleasing to you. Father, we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.